It's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs, who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. And we are the Lewis family, ready to answer your questions tonight. This is Linda Lewis, and thank you for joining us on Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. Well, Doug, um, you know, there's a lot going on in, uh, in the media and in the market. And one of the questions that people wonder about is how much stock should you own in retirement? You know, Linda, this thinking on how to answer this critical question is changing. Experts are really starting to rethink how much stock people should hold in retirement. Because in general, the new thinking says that people should be more heavily invested in stocks than is suggested by some of the traditional rules of thumb. There have been a lot of different traditional rules. There's some that say, well, you just take uh, your age and subtract it from 100 to determine how much should be in stocks and bonds and so forth. Well, right now, the new and controversial theory even goes so far as to suggest that stocks should occupy more and more and more of your portfolio as you move later and later into retirement. So really... Uh, you have to rethink it. Don't trust all the old thoughts or the old uh, uh, guidelines because you are maybe not where you want to be. We personally don't even look at it that way. At Lewis Financial Management, we have a totally different approach how we help clients achieve financial independence in retirement. And I say that's probably enough for right now that the old view of more and more bonds, less and less stock, that is moving very fast out the window. If you want to call us during the week to set up an appointment for yourself, give me a call at 919-872-7000 and we will get started. We'll make a list of the questions that are on your mind. Let's take a caller now. Hey, good evening, guys. Hey. How are you, Mark? How can we help you this evening? What's your money matter? Uh, well, actually, what I'm trying to see, I want to know if I'm ahead of the game or behind in terms of my retirement savings. All right. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How old are you? 48. 48. Okay. All right. You're working? Uh, working right now, yes. What's your income? Uh, right now, it's about 107. 107,000. Married or single? Married, two kids. Married with two kids. And your wife working? No. Okay. Family income, 107000 How much have you accumulated thus far in non-retirement investments like mutual funds, CDs, uh, bonds, anything that's not retirement accounts? So this, this is probably where I get slapped a little bit from you. Um, I have about 30000 in kind of an emergency fund, which is kind of a liquid asset, money market type mutual fund. Um, everything else I have is kind of retirement and or pension related. All right. What do you have in your retirement? So, you, so you really have no investment portfolio at all outside of retirement? Correct. Okay. Uh, good news is you're only 48. Bad news is that you are behind many, many people. But let's find out what's over in retirement also. What's over there? So I have um, in my self-directed IRA, I have a few mutual funds and also some stocks. I used to be in financial services. And so um, I have about 260 260 in your in your IRA. In my self-directed IRA. In my 401k, I've got about 56 um, that I, I contribute um, 9% each paycheck, and uh, my employer matches uh, up to uh, 50%, up to 6% of my salary. So you got a 3% match, and you're putting in 9 Correct. All right, and what kind of funds do you have in your IRA? 
Um, I actually have um, I have a couple of I, well I actually have a I created my own mutual fund essentially with some S and P five hundred different S and P five hundred stocks that I have, um, and I have actually a couple of uh, REITs that are currently yielding me about eleven and a half percent per year for the last ooh, five years or so. Okay, are they traded or non traded REITs. They're traded. Traded REITs. Okay. Uh, and also, I have two pen- I have two pensions. Uh, I don't know the actual cash value, but upon retirement, the, ca- the pensions that I have, where one would be the equivalent of essentially five hundred and fifty dollars a month, and then the other one would be about eight hundred dollars a month from former employers upon retirement age. If you'd like further information, call us at nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand, or go to our website. DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. Okay, well, personally, I think that you are setting yourself up for a very big disappointment because you're only 48. If you were to attempt to achieve financial independence before you're 59, then, of course, you would want to start drawing income from what you've accumulated. Well, right now, everything you've accumulated is in tax-deferred accounts, which means that uh, you would be forced to pay not only ordinary income and state tax, too, but you'd pay 10 You'd pay almost 45 to 50 percent of everything to come out to live on. So... You'd, you'd say, well, wow, why didn't I do it the other way? And we have many clients that come to us this very way. So let me suggest what you might do. First of all, you're over-contributing to your 401k. There's no reason that you should be contributing more than 6%. Because, okay. because they're giving your boss is giving you or your employer is giving you 3%, half of that. That's free money. But you have to remember what you are putting into a 401k, just like what's already over in your IRA, that's not money that is tax forgiven. That's money that is waiting to be taxed. So let's say that a person at the time of retirement or financial independence, they've accumulated, let's say, a million dollars and they've got 500 in a retirement account and 500 in a non-retirement account. If they need to draw out, let's say, uh, 30000 a year, if they draw the 30000 a year from their retirement account, they're going to pay probably double the tax that they would pay from the non-retirement. And that, because at once you are retired, then you look for the biggest portfolio that has the least tax as you withdraw from it. And well, I have, the thing is, I wouldn't, uh, and just knowing myself, Doug, I can't see myself retiring early. I don't, I really don't. I it doesn't matter before. when you retire. You're, you're missing my point. My point is, and I've had clients that have retired that have worked until they're 70 years old. The ones that come with the largest retirement portfolios regret it the most because they end up having to pay twice as much tax. They thought that they were accumulating but they forgot they will be hit the most. I've had clients that have come to me with $2 million in retirement and nothing in non-retirement. And I've had ones that have come with a million and a million. And it's always the same story. How can we go to the non-retirement and get income? Because then we don't have to go ahead to the, the other one is going to hurt you the most. So my advice, take it or leave it. My advice is reduce And start immediately accumulating in an after-tax portfolio. Put at least 10%. Actually, you should start with a living expense analysis. That's what we do in our office. You're welcome to call me and schedule an appointment. I'll be happy to meet with you in our office. But we start by analyzing your living expenses. And then from there, we break the expenses into recurring monthlies and non-recurring. And then the maximum that's left over afterwards goes into a non-retirement portfolio to start building that. And uh, and that's what you should be doing. You know, Mark, I, I think it's great that you've accumulated, and I agree with Doug. On the one hand, it, it's mostly in your retirement plans. And it's also great that you have an emergency fund in case something should happen. And, you know, if something happens to you and you, you, you're out of work for a few weeks because of an injury. But I agree with Doug. 
um, it's better, you know, it, just in, in, in principle, you want to balance the scales because you're, you're, you're heavily weighted in retirement plan monies. Exactly. And, you know, if something happens and, and you have some great emergency and you have these assets, but you can't touch them without a penalty, right? But if they're in a mutual fund in your own name, they're liquid. And you can just call your mutual fund company and say, we need this money. Can you uh, send us a check? So if this sounds like you, definitely call during the week at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. And the other challenge that I have is that I have not nearly, I got a teenager and I have a four-year-old that are not, I have not saved, begun saving nearly enough for them in terms of their college education. Well, it's, it's, it's a crisis, but it's not. Uh, it's all part of what financial planning you know, is. Every client okay. that comes to see us that has children goes through the same thing. Sometimes it's grandchildren, but it's all. You probably should meet with someone like us, a fee-based financial planning firm that will address college education, estate planning, cash flow planning, uh, as well as investment planning, because uh, you need to look at your entire world. And so what is, what is this? Let me ask you this. And I, I understand, for example, uh, like if you have your, if you have your, um, your IRA or what have you at Fidelity, for example. Mm-hmm. And I understand that if you go, because everybody gets the literature periodically, come and meet, do, a, do an analysis, do a financial plan, all that kind of thing from the, from the advisors that they have there. And I understand that they're commission driven and they're going to be focused on their Fidelity funds per se to try to drive you in that direction. Right. Is there any value added then in talking with an advisor at one of those places? Or is it I don't think so. You should never meet with someone who is commission driven. A little longer, a little later in the show, we're going to be talking about a new alert from the SEC. You want to be talking to someone who is charging you, as we do, by the hour for non investment driven advice, for pure advice. Uh, advice is advice. And if you. You know, if you pay zero, you get your money's worth. Yeah, that's a good point. That's you, a good point. And, and because, you know, you're probably the more financially savvy uh, person in your household. And your dear wife is there spending many hours taking care of the children. But she may have questions and you may have issues that you want to discuss about your whole world that doesn't only relate. To investments, right, Doug? That's right. Because That's right. Financial, financial planning, planning is much more is, than is just than investments. That. Much but more. I think the folks, but somebody like myself, and I believe it, it's been so beneficial hearing you guys. I've been listening to your show now for over a year. Oh, thank you. Is that I wonder? I wonder if I'm not at the income level that I can afford, quite frankly, to go to a certified financial planner. Well, I would disagree because in my little story about Mark McLaughlin, he only makes thirty thousand a year. And he is qualified. So if he's qualified at thirty thousand a year, and you're making a hundred and seven thousand a year, you should. You're definitely. Everybody needs advice. We have had clients through the years. We've had little secretary, a secretary who has nothing more than one little ten thousand dollars CD, but she wants to know, and she realizes that answers are out there. You need to pay for the answers, but answers are out there. And then that way you, you buy have a few some hours direction. of time and then, you know, exactly. You have some direction. And, w- and at this point, whatever the questions are that you and your wife have, go ahead and start jotting them down or put them on the computer. But if you'd like, you can just call us at the office and we'll be happy to get your information. We can send you an introductory packet and then, you know, we can schedule an appointment. Well, I think I, I think that's probably. I guess I guess that's probably something because, quite frankly, I, I don't know what y'all what you guys charge. But right. I, I we won't announce our fees point. on the air because there are too many people that shouldn't hear it until they call the office. But as soon as you call the office, we will be happy to go ahead. Of course, tell you our fees. Also, send you a form ADV which describes our fees. That's a full disclosure required by the Securities Exchange Commission. We are regulated directly by the SEC, and all of the different types of fee arrangements that we have, but I will tell you, we start with a simple hourly fee. Okay. All, All right. right. Great. Well, I'll definitely call you tomorrow morning. Then. What's that number again? It's 919-872-7000. Okay? And we're in Raleigh. Yeah, and visit our website also. You'll have an enjoyable time. If you haven't been there, take a look at DougAndLinda.com.
Thank you, guys. All, All right. right. Take care. Mark. Have a great week, Mark. You know, there was another issue related to investment planning. And, uh, you know, there are a lot there are a lot of folks out there that uh, purchase mutual funds. Well, mutual funds are one thing. Municipal bonds inside mutual funds are another thing. And there's been a big exposure recently about investors who are investing in muni bonds. You know, a lot of stuff that people don't realize is happening. For example, investors who put cash into municipal bonds, those are tax-free bonds. They're a very popular strategy for people who are looking for safe tax-free bets, end up paying twice as much in trading commissions as they would for buying corporate bonds, according to a study that came out recently. And that is because, Linda, that type of investment is totally undisclosed. And if you are a buyer of municipal bonds and you don't ask the broker who's selling them to you, there's nothing on your statement that says how much was the commission, otherwise known as the spread. So another one of those things that hit the press, people just don't know. You know, Linda, a lot of misinformation has always been available, mm-hmm. but it's it, 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 more and more it's being exposed. And I really like the amount of uh, articles that are coming up exposing the bad information that's out there. So what are you talking about, Doug? Well, <laughs> okay, I'm talking right now about bad information on mutual fund results. Okay. You know, typically, when we think of evaluating mutual funds, everybody thinks of, well, let's look at the uh, one-year, three-year, five-year averages, Isn't that the most common thing you ever hear? Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, well, experienced investors know that past performance is a poor indicator of future performance, but many of these experienced investors don't realize it's also a poor indicator of the past. And that's because of this matter of using the returns the way they are quoted, the one-year average, the three-year average, the five-year average, and so forth. You know, those are called trailing returns, But according to some investing experts, including myself, trailing returns do not say nearly enough about a fund's long-term performance. For example, let's say we look at the last three-year average, okay? Well, that means you take year one, year two, and year three, you add them up, and you divide it by three, so to speak. Well, wait a second here. Suppose you didn't invest at the beginning of year one. I mean, the beginning of three years ago, suppose you invested uh, maybe six months later or 12 months later and so forth. Take 10-year averages. Suppose a fund advertises its 10-year average has been such and such. Well, that means you started 10 years ago to the day. But suppose you checked, you you started a little later than that. Nine and a half years. So what we need to do is we need to look at rolling averages. And that's what we do in our office when clients come in. We always look at a mutual fund to see how has been the rolling averages. For example, to say the last 30 years is one thing. That would be from year 30 to the year one. But how about year 29, year 28? Start chopping the fund into rolling 10-year pieces. Then you can see, you can see from 1979 to 1988, 1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1980-1
yes, sir. I was calling in reference. I've got a, an IRA plan and a pension that I could possibly take a lump sum out of. Uh-huh. I'm thinking about making an investment in something that could possibly be a, a money-making venture for me. And I was just curious as to which one would be the better one for me to uh, to possibly cash in. Well, let me see if I understand. You can take a lump sum distribution from your from from where again? The pension. From your pension. And are you still working? No, I'm not. How old are you? William? Fifty-four. All right, you're fifty-four years old. How much can you take out? Well, actually, you can take the whole thing as a lump sum. Then I imagine. Right, I could take the whole thing. Right, and it wouldn't be any penalty. There's no penalty involved at all. No, no, you can roll that over into your into an IRA, which is exactly what you should do. But then the IRA becomes another set of questions. There are places that I don't think you should send. In other words, an IRA is an individual retirement account which has a custodian. And so you want to be careful who is the custodian. I'll tell you the custodians that I don't like. I don't like custodians who have products to sell you, such as insurance companies that say, roll it over to our IRA because they're going to be talking to you about annuities. Mm -hmm. I don't like custodians that are uh, sponsored by mutual fund companies because they're going to say, put it in our mutual funds. I don't like custodians who are banks because they're going to be tied into their broker. You should have an independent IRA custodian that has no products to sell. That's the first thing. Then, once that money is rolled over into the IRA custodian, or the IRA account, then you and your financial planner, and if you call my office, then I'll be happy to go ahead and give you the advice of how to do so. But then you and I together decide what investments you want to put into your IRA without any strings attached that you've got to be limited to these insurance companies' products or these or these or these. You should be able, because the IRS allows you to put any investment, any mutual funds you want any uh, real estate investment trust, REITs, BDCs. Um, you can pretty much do what you want in an IRA, up to certain certain things you can't do. But basically, in the realm of prudent money management, as long as your custodian has no strings attached, that's what you should do. Now, what was your second choice you said? I've got an IRA that, uh, that I could, could possibly take out. I could withdraw from that IRA and, and have the money that I'm looking for also for the investment. I guess my question for the pension is, um, I can t- I can take it out as a lump sum, and I'll get obviously a, a certain dollar amount. But if I leave it in there, I can take annual monthly payments out of it or whatever, starting this year for the rest of my life. Well, how well, much you're are talking, we talking about annuitizing about? it? When you if you leave it in the pension, the pension will give you a choice of annuitizing it, which gives you a lifetime payment income stream. Right. But then the principal's gone. Mm-hmm. Think of the investment as a chicken and the income as the eggs. You're telling the pension, all right, give me the eggs and you guys keep my chickens. And when I die, that's the end of the game. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's like an, that picture. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's an annuity. That's what it is. I don't right. think you should ever give up your chickens or your eggs. I'd rather you go ahead and live off your eggs and still have your chickens. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, DougAndLinda.com. You say you're 54 years old. What else do you have besides the pension? Uh, Nothing but the the IRA that I've got. Okay. How much is the size of the pension? The pension will be right at 100. About $100,000 is in the pension. And how much is in the IRA? About 125. All right, so all together, you've got 225000 and you haven't accumulated anything else, have you? No. Okay, no other investments, no other uh, anything else that you've got? No. All right, are you married or single? Married. You're married, and is your wife working? She does. All right, how much is her income? Uh, about 100 All right, so that probably, and you're 54, so you don't have any young children at home? No, I do not. So it's just the two of y'all? Mm-hmm. So her income is able to support the two of y'all for sure. Right. Matter of fact, there's probably a little bit left over that you could go ahead and start accumulating. I think you need financial planning advice. I think you should call my office, schedule an appointment. 
Uh, when you call my office, I, I don't know if you've got a pen near, but write down the number, 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Call my office, and my staff will go ahead and schedule an appointment to meet with me, and then we can go through what are your expenses, your accumulation potential, how to achieve all that you're trying to do, because it looks like uh, you need financial planning. Mm-hmm. And, and because where, where's your office located there? You not know where Quail far. Corners is? Yeah. Yeah, we're not far from Quail Corners. We're probably within walking distance of Quail Corners. We're near Millbrook Elementary School. Yeah, we're almost neighbors, William. <laughs> okay. We're just south of where y'all are. Okay. But yeah, call us and you know, start just start jotting down some of the questions that you have about your situation. And because you're still young, you know, you have an idea of what you might want to do for, you know, your next job or right. whatever it is you have in mind. And if you have business planning questions, write those down too. Okay. And and then if you have any statements about your your pension, in your IRA, get those together as well. But call us at the office, and we can go over that with you in detail, and then we can send you our introductory packet, all right? All right, thank you. Okay, thanks for calling. What little-known investment should people turn to more often? Well, the, the emphasis was on commercial real estate, because commercial real estate in the form of the real estate investment trust or uh, some other commingled fund that invests in commercial real estate is very attractive. This asset class is relatively easy to understand, Linda. They tend to pay a very high dividend. They can generate additional return through capital appreciation, and they have a special tax treatment to them. The Real Estate Investment Trust, otherwise known as REITs, they are tax-free is as long as they pay out 90% or more of the income they generate. Well, if they're holding commercial rent, uh, uh, real estate that's producing rent, then that means there's double to go out to the investors. And so the dividends are very high and the REITs are becoming very attractive because of the yield-hungry public. Well, Doug, um, there is another article that we saw in the investment news recently and it had to do with the matter of fees that 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 investors pay when yeah, they that, meet with an advisor. The article actually was quoting the Securities and Exchange Commission because the SEC is taking strong aim right now at fee disclosure. Last week, the SEC urged investors to seek more disclosure from their financial advisors about fees, which the regulator warned can have a negative impact on portfolio returns over time. You know, clients may still be in the dark as to what they're actually paying their advisor and and their product manufacturers. Now, the SEC pointed to a number of areas such as surrender charges, annual variable annuity fees that can significantly and unexpectedly hurt your portfolio over many years. Along with other factors, you think when choosing a financial professional, you really need to ask what are the fees, how much you'll be charged, compare those fees. It doesn't seem like a lot, Linda, but, you know, the SEC said 1% hidden fees on a $100,000 investment over 20 years can eliminate $30,000 of your returns. And so the SEC is really strong in this matter. I liked it because we have been we've been advocating that for many, many years that you need to always ask how much you're paying, what are your fees for and so forth. And don't be shy. There should be disclosure. There and should if the be. The advisor is not telling you. You should ask. You need to ask because it's your money. You know, investment advisory fees are fairly obvious, but the SEC said that many broker dealers and investment product manufacturers may tack on additional charges that go way beyond what is readily apparent. Now, they were aiming mainly at annuities, Linda, because the annuities are one of the worst uh, in this area of hiding fees. The regulator pointed out the difficulty in totaling up the charges for some complex products like variable annuities. And they said, in addition, 
that can be insurance fees and fees for optional features like riders. And the bulletin said you will also be subject to annual operating expenses. So, but it's not just the annuities. Uh, the 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 so so the so-called fee-only advisors that are charging one percent or two percent a year, Linda. You know, on a million-dollar portfolio, that's ten to twenty thousand dollars per year. Per year. Per year. You need to know that and uh, and understand what you're really paying. And the SEC is very concerned that the public isn't being actually they ended their remarks by saying if the investor doesn't care then you can hand them this document every day of the year and it's not going to get anywhere because the investing public seems to not care but the sec cares so if you're listening to the show tonight you're listening to money matters with doug and linda lewis on news radio 680 wptf so i would like to give you some homework if you're listening to the show right now and you have a portfolio of 50,000, 100,000. How about a half a million? Maybe you've got a million. Maybe you've got two million. Maybe you've got five million or 50 million. It doesn't matter. You know, plus or minus a few zeros. The point is whoever's managing your money, how much are you char- being charged every year for their services? You need to know. You need to ask the question. And if your husband is the one that's managing your financial affairs and you're just a soccer mom, ask the question. Find out what are you charging? What is your broker or your advisor charging in fees for your portfolio every year? You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you want to accumulate enough to be financially independent, Call me, Deborah Lewis, at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. We have Ray from Cary on hold. Ray, this is Doug Lewis, Deborah Lewis, Linda Lewis. How can we help you this evening? Hello, gentlemen and ladies. Got a question for you. Fire away. Very much appreciate your show. It's great. Thank uh, you. Just a real simple question for you. This is certainly less complicated, I think, than what you normally deal with. But to make a long story short, um, father passed away. Um, mom, of course, is still here, thank God, and she's got the house, but she wants to, you know, basically, since I've been the caregiver for years, um, and, you know, for lack of a a better explanation, you know, the property she wants to leave to me. Okay. Um, you know, the house and everything basically in it. Wanted to find out, um, is there a better situation tax-wise to do that? In other words, instead of just having it in the will, that it is for me, um, is there something that that she should be doing, or me, uh, who is the power of attorney um, for her, um, that would help that situation when, unfortunately, the day comes where that occurs? Right. Very good question. We get it a lot with our clients. Uh, Deborah, you want to start off? Uh, yes, there there are going to be um, two questions. Uh, the first is going to be: Is it going to make a difference if you get it now or you inherit it? And Doug, that's usually where we begin the conversation. Right. We have to get basis, and we have to deal with the step up in basis rules. First of all, what did the house cost? The house cost originally they bought it uh, ninety six here in Cary, North Carolina, and I think they paid about one hundred and fifty three thousand dollars for the house. It's all right. Probably and- worth at least as far as I can tell right now in this crazy environment, somewhere in the neighborhood of about two fifty. All right. All right. So that's going to be what we call your basis. Right. No, the basis is one hundred and fifty-three thousand. Yes, sir. One hundred and fifty-three thousand. What they paid is going to be what you call your basis. All right. Okay. So now we have to understand that if she were to give you the house today, correct, which she could do by deeding it over to you, mm-hmm. then she gives you the value of the home, which is two hundred fifty thousand, and she gives you the basis also of one hundred fifty-three thousand. Okay. Now. If you later on, after she passes away, mm-hmm. if you later on sell it, then you will pay tax on $100,000 of capital gains. Assuming that, that, that we were just going to use your appreciated value of what it's worth today, two hundred and fifty. Right. So right. that 100000 so is that's about twenty. Yeah, that's about twenty dollars or $25,000 of taxes. And I don't mean to interrupt you. It, it, the, the, you know, the situation would be, for sure, um, without getting into too much, because I know we only got so much limited time here, is that, um, you know, when she does pass away, 
Um, I am in a financial position. I'm, uh, you know, partially disabled. Um, and so it would be a situation where I could not afford to keep this house, which I would love to do. But it would be an immediate sale. Okay. Okay. Words, I'd, have to, I'd have to get out. Right, Very good. All right. So now Deborah's going to tell you the all way right. to sell a tax break. So, Ray, yeah. the best thing in your situation, it appears to be, just from the little bit we, we know right now, sure. is that if you were to instead were to inherit it at her death instead of receiving instead it of as receiving a gift. it as a gift during her lifetime right you get an immediate step up in basis meaning at her death mm-hmm. you would receive an asset that would be worth the fair market value or, or you know as of her date of death sure so now you would have received an asset with a basis of 250,000 and a value meaning, of 250,000 and a value of 250,000 right. so when you needed to sell it you know a month later after everything's you know settled sure. and everything right. you now would pay zero really yes taxes interesting if you need help call me deborah lewis 919-872-7000 919-872-7000 if you because if if we know that the end result is whether it's just a not needed home or we sure. need the assets home if that if there's definitely that situation we want to inherit the asset we want to get the step up in basis so really the only expenses that I should incur yes. when, once this occurs is obviously, you know, the usual stuff that occurs. But if I hire a real estate agent and he gets his or he or she gets the, um, you know, the usual 6% or whatever it is, um, you know, is there any other besides, you know. Well, the only any- other question I would have is, I mean, unless there's a mortgage on it. But, yeah, you just sell there it is. and keep the proceeds. There is. Then you. How, then much all- is the, how much is the mortgage on it now? Yeah, that's that's the the sad part is that uh, you know I would say at this point the house like I said is is probably worth two fifty, and the um, the amount that's owed right now is probably about one hundred and thirty. All right, so we take we 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 take these three points one at a time. Mm-hmm. First of all, at death, let's say God forbid she died this year. Right. All right. Two hundred fifty three thousand two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars is your is your home the fair market value. All right. right. The basis, of course, has been stepped up. So the basis goes from 153 to 250000 So zero tax as far as capital gain to the IRS. There's nothing owed to the IRS. Now, yeah. what about the mortgage company? Okay. Right. The they mortgage company. off, obviously. That's right. They want their portion, which is, oops, I lost my number. How that's much? Okay, about 130 or something 130, like that. 130000 That's right. So you get, so you would end up with $120,000. There'd be no other cost. There might be a little bit of real estate taxes that are owed on it if she hasn't paid the taxes right. on it. Uh, and as you say, the, uh, uh, the commission to the real estate broker. But there's no tax. Right. Taking in those three points, Doug, there's no way he would want to have it received during her lifetime. I mean, oh, no, the, no. With, with want, the mortgage yeah. and the tax, you would have eliminated anything. And you obviously. You want to step up in basis. Right. 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 So the bottom line is, is leave it just the way it is. Yes, sir. In the will, just that's that. That's right. That way, that way, mom takes care of you after you've been taking care of her. By the way, you can avoid probate if you haven't already done so by putting it in joint ownership with you and herself. But still, it's in her name. Very good. You guys are very helpful. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you for calling tonight. This is Deborah Lewis. Our number at the office is 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. There was another very interesting article that we saw about whether or not you should give your house to your children or maybe not give it to them. What do you think about that? Doug? Well, that 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 really is a topic that comes up amongst our senior clients very often. Parents often think it makes financial sense to transfer the ownership of the home, but you know, Linda, it rarely does make sense. Parents either to help their children out or to reduce the taxable value of their estate sometimes weigh transferring ownership of their home to their children as an idea, and they do it for various reasons, but it's a rare time when it makes sense first of all if they they why do they do it some people think it will help them qualify for medicaid many parents think that transferring a home to their children will help them qualify for medicaid's long-term nursing care benefits but in most cases it doesn't because when an applicant gives away any property Within five years of applying for Medicaid coverage for long-term care, then Medicaid presumes that the gift was made to qualify for Medicaid, and this triggers a period of ineligibility. So, 
they're assuming that you are trying to cheat. So that doesn't work. All right. Then another reason people transfer their home is they think about preserving wealth. You know, a home transfer is not advisable for wealth preservation if the value of the estate of the parents is within the limits for exclusion have moved up to $5 million. And if you do it right, we can show you how to keep $10 million tax-free. So uh, to avoid that or for wealth uh, preservation, I don't like that. The tax, because what happens, you know, the tax bite that's going to happen is going to be far less if the home is part of the inheritance. So if you don't give it to the kids, you let them inherit it, then they get a step up in cost basis, which allows them to immediately sell that home with no income tax and no capital gains tax. But uh, if they go ahead and give it to the children while they're alive, then they, and the kids later on sell it, they have a big capital gains tax to face. Another thing is, suppose the parents are thinking about doing a reverse a reverse mortgage. Well, if they've given the home away, they have removed the option of the reverse mortgage. So I am against giving the home away. There are some kind, sometimes that it has made sense. The Cupert is one that we used in the past. That's called the Qualified Personal Residence Trust. Uh, you have to do that carefully. If you use the Cupert, if you've got a very large estate and in transferring it, it's going to bring you down to the level where there's no estate tax, then it's possible it could work. But you have to be very careful in the Cupert. You've got to make sure that you pay rent back to the kids when you've transferred it. So, so much for the idea of giving your children your home. Don't trust these decisions to chance. Hire the right advisor. Give us a call at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000, and let us help you create a sensible plan. Well, Lynn, what's new in the area of investment planning? Well, Doug, people uh, choosing a financial planner may have made the best decision by working with a financial planner, Right. Yeah, I think so, Lynn. The the best investment decision some people ever make is to work with a financial planner because a financial planner, if you think about it, there are really about seven things that the financial planner can do. First of all, a financial planner may help you increase your investment results. And a financial planner takes the time to understand you and to understand your goals. And of course, third, a financial planner can recommend funds that fit your needs because lots of mutual funds don't. Four, a financial planner may help you decide how to allocate your assets. And a financial planner can analyze how changing conditions affect you. Six, a financial planner can work to deliver information while it's still timely. And seven, a financial planner helps make investing much more convenient. So of all the investment decisions a person ever makes, it seems to me the most important one just might be the decision to put a certified financial planner on your side. Now, you talk about how a planner may help you increase your investment results, Linda. You know, the famous Dalbar study, which we've talked about on the air in the past, was a 10-and-a-half-year study of investments made in over 5,000 mutual funds, and it was conducted by the Dalbar Services, and they illustrated why it was so important, because investors who used a financial planner outperformed those who didn't by over 17% in their stock funds, and they outperformed by over 21% in their bond funds. And, you know, people may ask why. Well, do-it-yourself investors were more likely to sell on the basis of short-term bad news, and they held their funds an average 2.6 years. But professionally advised investors were more patient. They held their funds an average 3.5 years, so they gained greater opportunities for long-term growth. Right? Right. Holding the hands of the investors through tough times made the crucial difference. Now, we also said that a financial planner will take the time to understand you and your goals. A financial planner makes it their business to learn who you are and where you are with your investment program and where you want to go. And they help you understand 
the process. Right. And the vehicles. Right. So from getting to know you, if you know, from this getting to know you process, then your financial planner can offer customized investment strategies for retirement planning, for enhancing your after-tax return opportunities, for planning your parents' financial needs in latter years, and for funding your children's educations. Right. That's exactly right, Lynn. To any of our listeners, if you have a question or if you would like to receive our introductory packet of information, I'll be happy to send it to you. Our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That is USA 7000. Let's take a caller now. All right, Keith, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? Yes, good afternoon, sir. Under what circumstances may one withdraw from their IRA? I understand there's educational purposes, health problems, and or if you're planning to buy a residence. I would like to buy another home in another state, staying over one half year in that particular state. What's your income, Keith? Oh, half a million. All right, you've got a half million dollar income coming in, and your expenses, I'm sure, are less than a half million a year. Much less, yes. Then uh, what is the, now how much is in your IRA? Oh, probably about uh, 300000 400000 something of that nature. Unless you retired from another company and you rolled over that old retirement plan into an IRA. Correct. Is that what happened? Yes, sir. Okay. Then you have a rollover IRA. What you're remembering is that there are ways that you can go ahead and, re- and remove money from a retirement plan and not pay the 10% penalty tax. But this money has never been taxed, and the IRS will get its tax. The additional 10% penalty sometimes can be applied. Now, you could get this money out because you're over 50, and we could do it in a series of systematic payments. But no matter how you get it out, you're going to pay tax on it. Okay. To take it out and pay tax on it now, I don't think that's the way that I would advise you. Hey, Keith, have you, ever, have, have you ever worked with a financial planner? I did work with one at uh, one time, and there's uh-huh. good and there's bad. And I received your portfolio initially, and obviously uh, Mr. Lewis uh, has tremendous credentials regarding fame. Uh, it's just that I want to give you a call and ask you a question over the phone. And we appreciate your calling. So, you know, if we can be of any further assistance to you, just give us a call. Okay. In the meantime, okay. have a pleasant evening. All right. Bye. Thank you, Keith. To any of our other listeners, if you have a question or if you would like to receive our introductory packet of information, I'll be happy to send it to you. Our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That is USA 7000. If you have some financial planning concerns or questions about your situation, get a notebook and start jotting down some of those questions and work with a financial planner. You know, Lynn, uh, one of the things that uh, that Keith is remembering, and it's really interesting, the, the, the rules that happen on retirement plans and how to get around, or how to, I shouldn't say get around them, how to maximize the rules. Keith's question was not one that a lot of people have, but a lot of people want to know, is there a way to avoid the 10% penalty tax? And yes, there is a way to avoid the 10% penalty. Now, you cannot avoid the income tax when you take the money out. Because that money has never been taxed. But that extra 10%, which on taking out, you know, a significant amount is significant. Right. Can be avoided by using one of the very little known rules called the series of systematic payments. And the series of systematic payments will work. He could actually have set up, if he wanted to get money out, which he doesn't need to, but if he wanted to, he could set it up over a period of nine years and take the same amount out each year for nine years and avoid that 10% penalty. People generally have, um, some people are confused uh, about their retirement plans, particularly if they separate from a company. And, you know, they, they feel that well, now that I'm leaving this company, can I access this money? Or maybe there's the temptation to do so. But they don't always understand that there is a tax, right, Doug, and a penalty. So you're really not getting everything that uh, you thought you were getting because Uncle Sam's going to take his portion. Well, it's back to social capital. Social capital is the part of your wealth that's not yours. It's destined for society. Learning how to control your social capital is the crucial distinguishing feature. Our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. 
And you can also go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. DougAndLinda.com. There are a lot of folks out there with questions about IRAs and 401ks. Well, it's you know it's a lot of those uh, yeah 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 people you're talking about, Linda. I mean this is this is the this is the generation that's running into the issues of we're coming into that period when the IRS says they want their piece of the action. Yes, indeed. A, a woman who is a widow inherited her husband's IRA last year when he died at the age of sixty-seven. So the wife is sixty-four, and she's wondering. Is she required to take a minimum distribution? No, not if she leaves the IRA with his name on it and with her named as the beneficiary, then she'll have to take a required minimum distribution in the year that he would have turned 70 and a half and the RMD will be based on your or her life expectancy. If she rolled it into her own IRA, then she can wait until she turns 70 and a half before taking a distribution. The RMD, the required distribution, and all future years is going to be based on her life expectancy. Now, this is an interesting situation. And this is, well, you know, I'm just thinking that this is a situation where it would behoove her to work with a certified financial planner. Absolutely. Absolutely. The beneficiary IRA, which is described in one situation versus the rollover to the spouse is another one. Uh, You can really uh, get a lot of mileage or hurt yourself a lot if you don't work with someone who understands all of the rules. Exactly. Because, you know, some folks at 64, they're professionals in the field and they have high income. Others are just homemakers. And maybe they, you know, stayed home with the children and didn't really have a career. But still, you know, in retirement, you want to plan for the fun things that you want to do, whether it's traveling or spending time with the grandkids or gifting to your children. So call us at Lewis Financial Management and write down your questions. We'll be happy to schedule an appointment with you. The number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug.